members of the vestry here at Church of Our Savior and those who are sort of in the inner circle of knowledge, if you will, know that I have been working very hard this year on some organizational skills and had lots of help from a very good management guru, if you will, a member of the congregation and a more than competent, in fact, very faithful and dedicated staff and lots of wonderful volunteer help. And so as I took up the refrain of one of our former senior wardens and realized that Christmas is not an emergency, I found myself at about 1 o'clock this afternoon finished. <laughs> Rose said, is there anything else you need? I said, no. I said, is there anything else you need? She said, no, we're ready. The choir had rehearsed, and that shows, of course. The programs were printed. I'm sorry there aren't enough, but hey, you know, it's good to have you all here. Please share. The sanctuary was prepared with lots of help. Everything was ready. I had gotten two pastoral visits out of the way this morning, even stopped mad as I am, at Town Center in Corte Madera to pick up some last-minute gifts. Got in and out of there in 20 minutes. That's saying something, right? And I got to 1 o'clock, and of course not everything was done. There were a few things that are left hanging and outstanding, and there are still some things that are sort of overflowing into the new year, leading over, if you will. But in the words of another Anglican Book of Common Prayer, I thought, what is done is done. What is not done is not done. Let it be. And then there was this silence. And it was though the Spirit said to me, Richard, now what? Now what? I suppose we can imagine all of those years ago, Mary and Joseph making their way to Bethlehem, as the story goes, the world doing what the world always does, you know, the emperor of the Roman Empire, the great power of its age, wanted to count heads. What else do emperors do, right? so they know whether their coffins are going to be filled or not. Quirinius, Luke tells us, was governor of Syria. We might ask ourselves, is that good or bad, particularly given the contemporary situation in Syria? But anyway, Luke plants that sort of context into which are thrown two Galilean peasants who go to the south country, back to Bethlehem, this small, dusty town in Judea, so that they can go there and be counted. And Mary is great with child, and they must have arrived there and discovered there was no room at the inn, and so they found a place in the stable, and you can almost hear a pause in the text, and you can hear Mary wondering, now My brother's in San Francisco this day was out, as he often is in his habit, in the Castro, 
somebody stopped him and wished him a Merry Christmas and said, is the season for giving? Doesn't that sound nice and profound? Tis the season for giving. My brother, who is very wise, said no. He said, tis the season for receiving. Tis the season for receiving. I've been wondering all Advent why we like to get so busy this time of year. Have you ever wondered that? I mean, really, have you ever wondered that? You can nod your head or shake your head. It's okay. It's called a neck, right? Why are we so busy at this time of year? Is it because we're coming to the end of the year and taxes are due and there's a lot to get done, maybe? Is it because we expect a lot of gifts under the tree and we have family arrangements to make and people to see and things to do? And we are haunted by lots of memories and past loves and good things and bad things. And of course, there are all the things we didn't get done earlier. Yes, all of that is true. But there's something deeper than that. And what I would like to suggest to you, we like to get busy this time of year because we are running away from something quite profound that was planted thousands of years ago in the foundation of our culture. And it begins with this little baby in Bethlehem. Now, the story goes that Mary wraps Jesus in swaddling clothes and places him in a manger sounds innocuous to us after all these years and all the things the world has done and we have done in the church to try to domesticate Christmas. Because it sounds rather sweet. And in this day and age, of course, with modern medicine and hospitals, giving birth to a child is not the big deal it was in the first century. But even setting all that aside, there is not a word that goes to waste when Luke puts his pen to paper. The swaddling clothes have significance. Many theologians have reflected how those swaddling clothes, which are wrapped tight around Jesus to keep him calm and quiet and perhaps go to sleep, are like the burial shrouds in the tomb at Easter. Luke wants us to realize that tonight is not just about silent night, quiet night, although we English-speaking folk like to sing about that too, don't we? As an aside, there was a great send-up about Anglican hymnody showed up on Facebook a couple of days ago. It was a parody, and Martin Luther is standing there talking about the virtue of German hymns, which get the theology right. And he's talking to, English, to an English vicar and an English gentleman who are telling him how wonderful Anglican hymns are, because they're always talking about how cold it was. 
about how there was snow on the ground, and in the parody, how there's always a frozen duck that's silent. That's English Christmas hymnody in a nutshell, not the parody. Mm -hmm. But no, no, Luther had something right because Jesus in the manger is also the same Jesus who will ultimately end up on the cross, will end up in the tomb. Somewhere in her soul, Mary understands this. You have to remember that Mary's world had been blown up by this pregnancy. You know, Nazareth was like Mill Valley. Everybody knows everybody else's business, even if they don't want to talk about it. And Mary had conceived this child without Joseph's help. Oops. And Joseph had been faced with a terrible choice of whether to offload her quietly to save her from public disgrace. And Joseph, being a decent guy, decided that's probably what he would do. And in the midst of this, they have been both visited by angels who have told them, no, stick it out. You will bear a child. You will call him Jesus. He will be the savior of his people. And it's about that point you can imagine the wheels in Mary's head turning. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. I'm just a girl from Nazareth. And my husband is just a carpenter. And we don't count for anything. And what army is going to protect us? Mary, of course, is that great model of faith in that she says yes to the angel anyway. And she willingly leaves her home and any comfort she might have had there, although it was probably good to get away from the gossips of Nazareth, and goes with her husband to Bethlehem. And there they will have the baby, but there's no room for them in the inn, so there are no comforts there either except these stinky guys who come out of nowhere and say they've seen angels too. Imagine Mary saying, oh great, more angels. And Joseph can only stand there sort of startled at what is unfolding in their lives. He didn't sign up for this either. You see, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the difficulty for us is if we are open to receiving something, we may get it. And what we may get is not what we hope for or what we are expecting or even what we signed up for. And if you think we are getting something as peaceful and as quiet as a baby lying in a manger, you've signed up for something, but it's not what you're getting. Think of the people who had this worked out. Think of Herod who in a few short days in our calendar is going to kill all the firstborn in Bethlehem because he's heard about this promised child born there. Think about Pilate, who a few decades later is going to crucify this person because he represents a threat to the Roman order. Think about that for a minute. And then before you leave, 
bear with me. You see, the Christ child we are asked to be open to receiving is not the Christ child we expect. The Jews were expecting something. They were expecting a political savior who would throw the Romans out and restore the ancient kingdom of Israel. The Romans were expecting something because they were good imperialists. They'd been around the block a few times, and they knew when you subdue a cantankerous people like those ancient folk of Israel, that there's going to be a rabble-rouser or two. So what did they do? They brought in a garrison, and they were ready for that. They got it. But Jesus is not the baby they were counting on. Nor is Jesus the baby we're counting on. We are so busy at this time of year so that we hope perhaps we can get what we want, what we expect, what we have some control over. But the baby Jesus will have none of that. Baby Jesus is a complete another surprise to us just as he was to his mother, just as he was to Joseph, just as he was to the shepherds who were nobodies out there tending their flocks by night, just as he was, we will remember, to the wise men who will come from the east looking for a king, find instead a little baby in a manger. Not who the Romans were expecting, because the movement Jesus started could not be killed when they killed him. In fact, Rome fell. Or maybe it lives on in the world around us. But still, Something else persists. I was ready at one o'clock this afternoon. Were you ready? Was the world ready? No. What's the world doing? It's doing what the world has always done. Our body politic right now is roiled by this quest for a strong man. The Middle East is still a royal mess with no end in sight. Our lives are filled with a hundred and a thousand worries, and the emperors of our day are still interested in counting heads. And yet, we are called not to give, but to receive. To receive this child and set aside all of our expectations about how the world is supposed to be. We open instead for what the world might be. We just let this child be born in our hearts and in our lives. This child who represents peace, 
true peace. Peace that cannot be bought at the point of a gun or the point of a sword. Love. True love. That gives and gives and gives and expects nothing in return. Life. True life. Life that offers itself so that others might live. And hope. Hope that is given and planted in the deep places of the soul. So that the people of God might find life even when the whole world seems to be running mad. Are you ready to receive that? Are you open, even for a moment this night, this silent night, when the world is suddenly hushed, Mary is pondering these things in her heart. We are summoned to this strange and wonderful image of a baby born with nothing, except the mother who loves him, smelly shepherds who are called by angels, manger for a bed, smelly animals standing by, and a star shining in the darkness. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley, dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.